Well, hey, friends, welcome to Thursday, April the 27th, and thanks for joining me for Enough for Today. We're back in action, so I hope I haven't lost you the last three days. I um, was finishing up a seven days of ministry, seven straight days um, in Washington State, and I'll take a minute to tell you the backstory, and uh, I apologize for just sharing some of my personal life on here, but um, we, so I've, I have a lot of friends up in the Pacific Northwest, but one in particular has asked me to come preach at his church every year for the last 10 years, literally the last 10 years. And uh, I, I kept saying no, because it's a long trip, it's a long flight, and then it's a long drive to where he lives. <clears throat> and so I just kept postponing, and it just never quite worked out with the calendar. And then there were a couple of others over the recent few years that same thing, they kept reaching out or they reached out and asked me to come. And, and I thought, well, these guys probably know each other. They're all, they're all, two are in the Seattle area and one is about three hours outside of Seattle. And so a year or two ago, I said, listen, why don't you guys uh, get together and pick a few weeks that work and let me look at, at our ministry calendar, my calendar, and uh, let's get a week on the calendar where I make one trip out and I come to all three of your churches within a week, if you guys are willing to, to split it up that way. They were. And so I flew out last Wednesday, and I spoke in Port Orchard, Washington, which is across from Seattle on the peninsula, across from Puget Sound, beautiful uh, region of our country, and a wonderful church, Bible Baptist Church, Jeremy de Spain. And uh, what a joy to meet his church family and, and his uh, family. <coughs> then we... Uh, made the trek across the state to the middle of the state, really, to Moses Lake, which is over the mountains, beautiful mountain pass outside of Seattle, and to uh, there my friend Dennis Fountain, his wife Hannah, and their family planted Moses Lake Baptist Church about a decade ago, and uh, this is the one that was inviting me every year, and we got to reconnect with some great longtime, really lifetime friends who are serving the Lord there and in that region, and in each place uh, got to meet just some wonderful Christians, some wonderful pastors and uh, spiritual leaders, and try to be an encouragement to them. So that was on Sunday, and then Monday, Tuesday, we finished out at uh, Orting, Washington, which is south of Seattle, um, kind of at the base of, um, oh, I'm trying to remember the mountain, beautiful, beautiful mountain uh, right there uh, south of Seattle. My mind's going blank, it's because I'm still waking up, and Anyway, I flew back yesterday, long day of travel, <clears throat> and then uh, Mount Rainier, that's the mountain, uh, long day of travel yesterday, but I uh, w was so privileged to meet so many wonderful people, so many wonderful servants of God. Tuesday, we had a pastor's round table and lunch together, uh, met pastors again in the Seattle area I haven't seen in 10, 15 years, and uh, met some new friends as well. I met one uh, family from Sydney, Australia, and they said they watch enough for today, every day, and uh, they said they watched the Emmanuel live stream every single day, or every single Sunday, so uh, it was encouraging. It was a, a joy to minister. Thank you for giving me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I just got pressed for time. I didn't have time to, to get the week done, uh, and so I thought, well, we'll take a rest. We left off in Psalm 77, about the middle of the psalm. This is kind of a dark psalm at the beginning. It's about a man that feels cast off from the Lord and forgotten, He's a man who's really doubting God's um, integrity, and yet he's going to God. And so that's where faith and reason just collide sometimes, or faith and experience, I should say. Faith is always reasonable, but faith 
collides with circumstance and collides with emotions. And one of the things the Psalms teaches us so much is that faith can rise above, faith can transcend emotions. In fact, that's the essence of it, is, is that we believe in spite of how we feel. We believe in spite of the momentary circumstances. And this psalmist is going through something really deep and difficult. It's keeping him up at night. Um, he's crying through, through the night. His soul is, is struggling to find any comfort. Um, he's remembering God, and that's making him feel even more troubled. He's complaining. He feels overwhelmed. Um, he's thinking about the times that God uh, acted powerfully, and yet he doesn't feel and see that in his life. And so he asks in verse 7, 8, 9 these, these rhetorical questions. I say they're rhetorical because they're very, they're almost accusatory. They're very strong. They're very negative emotions. But he's asking them in prayer to the Lord, essentially, which means he doesn't really believe these questions. He doesn't really um, he knows this is not reality, but he's still nonetheless, exper- he's expressing his experience. And that's another thing the Psalms teach us is that we really can honestly and openly express our emotional human experiences to God, even when those seem to contradict him or even accuse him. God receives them as expressions of faith, albeit desperate ones and maybe doubt-filled ones. And again, that kind of goes against our 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 sense of things. We feel like strong faith is the absence of doubt, and really, strong faith is that which worships, trusts, believes, and follows in spite of the doubt and in spite of the, the, the negative experience of the moment. So he says in verse 7, 8, will the Lord cast off forever? Uh, will he be favorable no more? Will, is his mercy clean gone? Doth his promise fail? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Now look at verse 10. We, we, we talked about 10, but I want you to see something else here. And I said, this is my infirmity. So it's almost like he just, <clears throat> this is my burden for the moment. Th- this is apparently, apparently, this is something that God, I know God hasn't forgotten me. I know he's not gone. I know he's still merciful. I know he is uh, still favorable. I know he's not casting me off. So if if God is good and the circumstances are what they are, then apparently I'm in the will of God. Apparently, God has a bigger purpose than I can understand or see right now. Apparently, he wants me to carry this burden for the moment. And so I, I feel like in verse 10, albeit unwillingly, he says, okay, this is my, this is mine. I'll, I'll take it. I would identify with this personally in my cancer journey. I didn't want cancer, but I realized that God had led me into it and that he was at work in it. And so I could pray this prayer. This is, this is mine. I embrace it. And I want to speak to you for a moment about the, the value of that, that, that sense of surrender, that sense of simply accepting the providence and the will of God for your life, accepting the context that God is walking you through and walking with you in, and trusting that he's doing something in it. See, as long as you're resisting the will of God, when that will of God brings you through undesirable things. As long as you're resisting, you've, you've essentially doubled your problems. You, you've, you've got your burden, but now you've got your resistance or, or dare we say your rebellion to the problem. So now you've got two problems. And then you layer that with the grief and, and the sorrow that you're, you're sad that you're sad. <laughs> you know, so you're doubling your sorrow. 
You're grieving not just over the burden, you're grieving over the grief because this isn't the way it's supposed to be. So you're really when you resist and you, and you fight against the unfolding providence of God, even when it's a negative kind of providence um, or we feel that way, you're, you're really increasing the magnitude of the experience. And so something begins to change in the psalmist right here when he says, um, when he says, this is my infirmity. Okay, God, I, I'll quit fighting you. I'll quit wrestling. I'll quit resisting. I'll accept this as mine. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. So remember those words, but I will remember in the first position, they are inserted by the translators. So if we read it, this is my infirmity, the years of the right hand of the Most High. It's almost like he's wistfully looking back and that the remembrance is painful. But here's what I want you to track, and I don't have much time, so we got to wrap it up. But the remembrance, he says three times that he's going to remember. He says, verse 10, verse 11, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely, now he gets stronger, I will remember thy wonders, okay? So I want you to track this also. I will remember the years. So there were years where things were better. So it's almost like he's remembering good times. But then he says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Then he's not just remembering good times, He's remembering God's good working, God's good doings. And then the third position, he says, surely I will remember thy wonders. Now he's moving emotionally. This is profound. This is wonderful. It's, it's yeah, they were good years. Oh, God was doing good things. Oh, God is a God of wonders. Okay, now we're going to park it there because I don't want to, there's just too much to say. Because this is the turning point in the psyche, in the psychology, the inner being of the psalmist. And uh, there will be a turning point for you, my friend. But I really think that turning point begins with saying, okay, for now, for the moment, this is mine. And I'll walk through it with Jesus. So hold on to him, my friend. Happy Thursday. Thanks for not forgetting about enough for today. And I'll see you tomorrow.